This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. In Jesus' name, for those who just came in, I was talking about praying for our nations, for what we live in, where you where you where you do your business, where you sow your seed, where you walk, where you plow, where you tread your feet upon. You have a responsibility to that land until you live there. You must busy yourself. You cannot be indifferent. You can't say, I've taken my hands off Nigeria. I've taken my hands off South Africa. I don't care about the UK. You must care. The Bible says he has made us kings and priests unto his name. And priests, you're supposed to declare a blessing and stand in the gap. Hallelujah. Stand in the gap. It's your responsibility. It's your duty to God. You don't have to be partisan. You don't have to be ultimately patriotic or nationalistic. It's being Christian. To set your to, to, to pray. It doesn't mean to carry the burden of a nation upon your heart. Just pray and go. Hallelujah. Just pray for your land. Pray. Not the mayor of your city. Not the mayor of London. Pray for him. Mention his name before God. Pray for the economy of England. Pray for the economy of South Africa. Pray for the economy of Nigeria. Pray for the economy of America. Do not be indifferent. God's hand can read beyond what the stakeholders can see. The Bible says, pray for kings in authority that you may lead a peaceable life. The prosperity of the church, of your prosperity, is not too withdrawn from the prosperity of where you live in. Nigeria's prosperity is your prosperity. England's prosperity is, is your prosperity. England's health is your health. That's why God sends us to this nation to intervene and cause safety. And even peradventure, if they were to be damaged, it would not be as severe as it's supposed to be because we prayed. Hallelujah. I've said many times, you want to know if prayer does not work. Either you pray more or you stop praying, you will know. So we have a duty to our nations. Okay, let's go to the the, uh, the message for today, which is the message of faith. And I want to read um, from a popular story we know, which is in it is it's in it's in the book of Mark. You know, in um, Mark eleven Mark eleven twenty three, twenty four, Jesus says, "Let me open." We are talking about the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith is not difficult you know god says um, he will not tempt us beyond something that you cannot handle and that doesn't just that wasn't just referring to sexual temptations or moral virtues but also challenges maybe you're expecting something you're believing god for something god is saying you can handle it you know there's a potential victory you are programmed to overcome every mountain you are put in front of you so the prayer of faith is not something that is a is not something mischievous you know when people say are you trying to faith it you know use your common sense no it's something that is doable hallelujah it's 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 doable god made us believers jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith jesus is the author and finisher of our faith so he didn't he didn't um give us something that is too difficult to bear he didn't give us a burden. There's no burden of faith. You know, Jesus came and said that on that day of the he said on the on the last day of the feast, he cried on the feast, he cried and said, Is any of you heavily laden or burdened? He says, Come to me, I'll give you rest. So God gave us rest, even in the arena of faith and believing for the impossible. It's not like rocket science. He gave us his words to believe by Amen. So there's this wonderful story here in, in Matthew's gospel. And um Jesus told um his disciples to leave him alone. He wanted some privacy. So he told them to go by boat and cross back to town and get back to town. That was their means of transport. He wanted to pray alone. He wanted to have his personal time. 
in a way from the whole multitude and feeding of fish. In fact, this story happened after he had fed the 5,000. He was tired, he was knackered and emotionally and also he wanted to spend time with God. So he asked the disciples to go. And um, he didn't want them, because he was praying for long, he didn't want to keep them hostage with their boats. So he said, look, just take your boats and you guys go to town, build your families. He will find his way home. And because he had no boats, he decided to walk on water. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, he cared for them and said, you know, just go home, don't wait for me. Because his prayers are always very long. The Bible says Jesus wake up before dawn and he'll pray throughout the night. You know, 12 hours, 18 hours. And um, these guys were family men and he didn't want to keep them. So he said, take the boats and you guys should go. I'll sort myself out. So, um, Mark, Matthew 14, 22-23. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone, so he had prayed from midday to the night and probably around 12, he wanted to go back. He was alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. So he couldn't even call them back because he could see that ah, these guys, they've gone. And you could see them from afar that they are already in the middle of the sea. So he said, you know, he would just trek. <laughs> he would trek across, across the oceans. That's amazing. So he was alone and um, verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now these guys were fishermen. And it wasn't unusual to for fishermen to come back with very superstitious stories. In fact, my uncle who works um, who works in the Ministry of Tourism um, in in River State, he he used to he used to hold some he used to hold this um, cultural event in Lagos called Seki. And I think one time he gave the stories of how the fishermen used to fish on the boats and they'll be so tired and they'll see different figures, mysterious figures and in fact most of these stories will come back home and that's how they got the people of the riverine areas to worship all these uh, idols because of the, the the images we they apparently saw but I think when you fish and toil for a long time something, something happens to your mind especially being lonely at sea, the salt water, you are tired and thirsty you begin to see mirages so all over the world check the, the stories of fishermen whether, whether from um, the them from Oceania or Nigeria or the Greek warlords, they always had these tales of foreign figures on sea. So they thought it was, it was one of those things that they had seen. <laughs> this was one of those ghosts. And he said, He's a ghost. Then Jesus immediately called out to them and said, Ah, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. On the water then Jesus said come then Peter got down on the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus have you seen that so he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus so he actually walked on water and but when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and he said, you owe you of little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, 
why did you doubt? And when they climbed out into climbed to the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's amazing. But at this point, if you go back a few verses, when Peter asked Jesus and said, Tell me to come come to you on water, and Jesus said, Come. He did. Why did he walk on water and why did he fall? Now Jesus says because he saw the waves and he doubted. Now this is the question I want to ask and I've thought this before but I'm, I'm going to say it again. Are you telling me Peter did not see the waves and the water while he, while he was approaching Jesus? He saw it of course but he saw Jesus more. He saw Jesus more. There is no way he would have seen Jesus and forgotten about the waves and the water. So when Jesus said, why did you doubt? Jesus was not saying, should act as though the waves and water was not there. He was just saying, just put me at the center of your vision. Right? So it is possible that when we believe God for something, we are aware of the limitations of, of, of natural laws. You know, faith is not dismissing those laws. Faith is just saying God's word, God's word more and louder. You know, the human vision cannot see tunnelly. That's why when they say have a tunnel vision, it's a figure of speech. Because having a tunnel vision does not exist. Right? Nobody sees in such a way that um, on your sides, you don't see anything else. For example, if I'm, if I'm talking with Sister Owen and we're having a face-to-face -face discussion and somebody runs beside us, even if I'm seeing her face-to-face, -face, my eye will catch that movement. Because that's a human vision. It's called the field of view. So when Peter saw Jesus the first time, in his field of view, the waves and the seas and the storm was always there. It's just that Jesus was at the center of his eyes, of his vision. But the waves, he always saw it. And guess what? When he saw the waves and began to sink, he still saw Jesus too. Just that at this time, Jesus was in, his, was in his field of view, but not at the center of his eyes. Do you understand? So, what I'm saying, it's possible to believe God. It's possible to come and walk in faith, and you are still aware of the limitations of the flesh or of the challenges, and still come out victorious. And it's possible also to have Jesus somewhere in the back of your mind and still sink. It depends on where he is. You see, years ago, my uncle bought a disc for me. It was a disc man. And when that disc man, you, you get a disc and you put it into the, into the slot, it worked by using what's called a lens or a sensor that read the disc. Now, if you were careless and you exposed the, the disc man to dust or to the elements of, of the air, you would make that sensor unresponsive because there's too much of dust there and to no longer read the disc even if it's still there because the view of the disc man has been compromised so sometimes the lord is in our lives but our view has been compromised we are not seeing him as, at the center so when when someone says oh I mean, if, if, let me give an example you're believing god for um, healing let's say an ailment that has no cure Let's say cancer now. Nobody is saying if you say cancer doesn't exist or not listen to your doctor. 
Just let it be that you are seeing Jesus more than you see the cancer. And it's possible to do that. So the Bible says one thing about Abraham. He says um, that he was fully persuaded. And he considered not his body dead. He didn't say he lied. He saw his body was dead, but he, he considered it not. Not the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What does it mean to be strong in faith? To just have God's word as the most abounding thought in your heart. It's as simple as that. To have God's word as the most abounding and dominant thought in your heart. That is what it means. Because God is not, God is not wicked. He knows that we are flesh. He knows that we are surrounded by a barrage of information that contradicts his promise. But he's just saying, these things will always be there. You'd always have these doubts. Just keep me at the center of your vision. Just keep my word at the center of your heart. Just let, let me be the dominant thought in your heart. You will win. To be fully persuaded does not mean to be dead to the challenges or to be unaware of them. It doesn't mean to be a fool. It doesn't mean to, to, to be unintelligent. You know, you can feel the weakness. You are not dumb. But just make sure that God's word is at the center of your heart. Is the paramount and the dominant thought in your heart, and you would win. Of course, you know you can see things. You've seen the scan. You've seen what the doctors have said. Faith is not saying it's a lie or change and throwing it away. No, it's just it is there. But I know something more. Faith is not denying the facts. It is upholding the truth. That is the prayer of faith. So when Peter saw Jesus and he walked on water, when he did well, he still saw the waves. It was in his field of vision, but it was not the center of his vision. And when he sank and he saw Jesus, he still saw Jesus too. But Jesus was not the center of his eyes. And faith was made incompetent. Hallelujah. So we are human beings, yes. But what much more, we are born of God's words. We are, we, we are children of the word. Like someone says one thing, he says, you see, he says, courage. It's not the absence of fear. It is boldness despite the fear. Hallelujah. Everyone who has won to God, has won for God, always had a strain of fear in them. That's what the Bible talks about Elijah and says, when talk about the prayer of faith, he says, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The previous verse says that Elijah was a man of like passions like you were. He was also afraid. He also had doubts. Yet he prayed. Yet he prayed. Yet he prayed. He was like us. David was like us. There was nothing special about them. What was special was God's word. There was nothing extraordinary about them. They were like us. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passions. An old English word meaning a, a, a man of like feelings like you were. But yet he prayed that he should not be on the earth for three and a half years. And he did not reign. Then the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man makes power available. Then he says, is anybody among you sick or unhealthy? Call for the errors of the faith, that, it might pray the, that the prayer of faith might be, might be made. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. It will heal the sick. God knows. He knows we walk in this world with limitations, with concerns, but he wants us to keep his word at the center of our hearts. Let me open to um, Proverbs chapter 4, um, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2. Lord, I live by your word. Lord, I live by every word of your word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2. We are talking about the prayer of faith, eh? Um, 
I'll read from the KJV. Solomon is writing, he says, I was, for I am my father's son, tender and only beloved inside my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Um, I'm coming. I want to read the right, the right translations. I want to get it very well. Hold on. Give me a few seconds, I'll get it. When you see, where he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I think he had Proverbs 4.21. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 21. He goes, he goes down. Um, in fact, it's even long. Let me read verse from verse 12. He says, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her. For she is for she is thy life. Then verse 20 says, verse, verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. What, the, what the, 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 the writer here is saying here is make it a paramount thought. He's not saying you should, you know, you know, he's not saying you should not engage in other things. You have to read the news you communicate, you have to read, you know, your projects at work, you have to read your presentations, you have to prepare, you have to converse about the news of politics, or you have to talk about it with friends, you have to be erudite and know things. But he's saying that make God's word a dominant thought. Always be have an erudite an erudite um, 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 attitude towards God's word. He says, put them in the midst of your heart. Let it be your dominant thought. Let it be pregnant with it, night and day. He says, let them not depart from thine eyes, just as Peter did. Jesus never departed from his eyes, even if his field of view could still see the waves and the sea. But Jesus did not depart from his eyes. He says, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them at the center. Like I said, the center of your vision. And there's a pandemic we are facing today in the body of Christ. There's a, there's, there's a great apathy towards Bible study. Great apathy. It seems archaic. People who discuss God's word are deemed unintelligent. Christians are being made to look as like the bottom feeder, like the less evolved human species. When we hear that somebody likes God's word, that somebody is spiritual, people seem to think they are fools. They think they are incapable of being, of being smart or holding brilliant discussions. Just say, invite them to church. It's seen as an invitation to something that, 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 that involves very less cerebral activity. And we, 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 can't, we can't go like that. We can't be too smart for God's word. Like the people the, the, will say, the bishop will say, your mind is too small to lead you. It's too small to guide you in this path of life. It is too small. This God's word we have, it is more current than tomorrow's morning's newspaper. It is the most sophisticated and grandest thought ever known to man. The truth of God's eternal word. Paul calls it, Paul calls it, when he says, um, he says, whatever is lovely, he says, think on these things. And the Paul, who wrote most of it, was a lawyer in that time. Do you know how scarce it was to be a lawyer? He was intelligent. He wasn't a fool. 
Today it seems like no, it's just it's unfashionable to. But we are denying God's power by doing that. We will not see Jesus as, as, as strongly as we ought to see him. When we see him, we will fly. We will stand. Hallelujah. Let's open to um, the book. I was open to um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse. I think it's Psalms 37, verse 4. I think Ibuku spoke about it the last time. So the prayer of faith is made when the word has when it abounds more in our hearts more than anything and it's possible it's possible to be a project manager an anatomist a an obstetrics or a gynecologist a surgeon and still be full of god's word isaac newton said i read my bible every day that was the that, that's that's the greatest physicist of the, of, 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 of 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 the of the old era william shakespeare the the the, the father of literature read his bible every day he was inspired by the writings of paul most scientists